encourage you to turn in your Bibles somewhere. Yeah, it always helps. Or you can turn in your phone, you could turn in your tablet. I mean, there's other ways we can do it right now, but um, just uh, if you would turn to, uh, um, how about Matthew chapter 4? Because I heard something today about um, how the Lord has the whole world in his hands and how the Lord is in charge. And it's always been my idea that if he's in charge, he's doing a terrible job. I said, if he's in charge, we have issues. How many would like a tissue for your issue this evening? I don't know. You know, we, we're looking at everything that's going on in the political arena, and, and, um, and yet ultimately, God knows the end from the beginning. And he wrote, he wrote Solomon, you know, he wrote Ecclesiastes, rather, 1 and verse 9, the thing that has been is the thing that will be, and there's nothing new under the sun. So things keep cycling. They keep repeating themselves. You read the book of Jeremiah. We just read through it as a church, or some of us did. And you can see it happening today rioting in the streets and lawlessness. And Matthew chapter 4 it talks about nation against nation, but when you read it, it's ethnos, and it means ethnic groups against other ethnic groups. And, and so we got all of that going on. And, um, and lots of times we want, well, it's kind of like this. John, Wesley's, John Wesley said it this way, God does nothing unless man is in, involved and man intervenes. And I, when I first heard that, I thought, well, that can't be true. But then when you read Matthew chapter 4, um, well, let's, I don't want to get bogged down in it. This is where Satan came and tempted Jesus. He, had, he hadn't eaten in 40 days, and I get cranky after one meal. So, but he hadn't eaten in 40 days. And, and when you read Mark's gospel, it says that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. See, because the second Adam, the last Adam, had to come and and win every every battle that Adam had lost. Adam committed high treason against God and did his own thing. So anyway, um, verse eight. About, yeah, verse eight. He saith unto him, "If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down from here, for it is written, He's given angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways." Jesus said unto him in verse 7, it's written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 8, again the devil took him up onto an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and the glory of them and said unto him, you can skip the pain of the cross. If you'll just bow down to me, I can give you what I got from Adam. You see, when in Genesis chapter 1, God told Adam and Eve to have dominion over the earth. And they took that dominion and committed high treason and turned it over to Satan. So Satan, in fact, has a 6,000-year lease on this earth. Matter of fact, the Bible calls him the God of this world, right? And so a lot of the things that are going on in the world. Now, now I know you're going to tell me next that, that Jesus came and defeated the devil, and that's true. He totally did. But if you go to the end of the Gospel of Matthew... Verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to the disciples and said, All power has been given unto me, both in heaven and on earth, and now I'm giving it back to you. Go ye therefore. 
So he took the power that, that he had gained from the devil and gave it, gave it to you and I. And, and we don't like that. I, I would much prefer that he be in charge and then I could blame him when things didn't go right. But when things don't go right, it's my fault. The, the things that are going on in the world today, it's not the world's fault. It's not. It's the church's fault. Totally, totally the church's fault. I was just reading in Luke chapter 3 where, where the Bible says that Jesus went down to be baptized by John the Baptist. And uh, when he prayed, the heaven opened. If he hadn't have prayed, it wouldn't have happened. Right? And so it, it, what prompted me to this is I was listening to Kenneth E. Hagin. How many of you who know who he is, was? And he preached for almost 70 years on the planet. And a few times he had very special visitations from the Lord. And in one of those visitations, Jesus came and began to talk to him, and you know, face to face. And in the middle of it all, a demon got in between the two of them and started yapping and making a noise. And, but Jesus kept on talking. And, but Kenneth Hagin just, you know, he just went on, it went on for several minutes until finally he said to the demon, in the name of Jesus, shut up. And then, and then, and then, then he said, Jesus, why did you not rebuke that? Why didn't you shut him up? And Jesus said, I couldn't. I gave that authority to you. So, yeah, but now in your dealings with the Lord, you need to realize your responsibility. God won't just supernaturally do things. If, if he did anything to violate his word, the whole universe would just implode. Do you understand that? He has to do things according to this covenant. And in this covenant, he said, you can ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. In this, in, in this covenant, he said, if you'll delight yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of my heart. Right? You can have the desires of your heart. But it's kind of like, I think I'll take a picture of Nancy tonight. What's wrong? I'm not focused. But what I focus on is what I'm going to develop. So if I focus on that post, guess what? I'm not going to do a lot for me. So God is saying, when he said in John 8, 31 and 32, if you will continue in my word, you will be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What's my part? Continue in his word to get to know him. So people, lots of times people think they know the government, don't have a clue who God is. Don't have a clue. That, well, let's, let's go to the message now. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. How about chapter 10? How about let's come back here. Let's go to... <laughs> let's go back to Numbers chapter 13. How many of you remember Numbers chapter 13? We hooked that up with the book of Joshua. I love the book of Joshua because he says things like, he says things like logical things. Like, he, you know, he comes to Joshua and said, Joshua, maybe we should go there instead. Yeah, let's go over there. No, we'll come back here. It's okay. God has a message for you, and I'm just following him, okay? And uh, he likes it better this way because I plan things, and then he changes them and keeps me keeps pressure. But anyway, in Joshua chapter 1, 
the Lord starts out this way. Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Well, isn't that kind of like, like, yeah, like, yeah, I know that. But then he says, now, therefore, arise. The thing about Moses being dead, the, the, the thing that you need to take away from this is Moses represented the law. And the law cannot take you into the promises of God. And the law couldn't take them into the promised land. Faith had to take them into the promised land. And so Moses being the type of the law and Joshua being, I mean, his word, his name means salvation. And he's going to do something that Moses, the law could not do. Moses could not take them into exceeding great and precious promises. Moses couldn't take them where they, the law couldn't take them where they needed to go. It's in Galatians chapter four. He said the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So the law was something that you were under until you got born again. And now you can go in. But he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go across this Jordan, you and all these people. And he says things like every soul, every place that the soul, every place that you can step on, I've already given it to you. Every place where you'll take your authority, every place that you dare to go, he said, from the Oat House to the White House to the Parliament Hill to the Dung Hill, he said, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. He said, no, no man will be able to stop the call of God that's on your life ever, ever, if you'll do what he says. Well, what does he say? Well, let's read. We, we, I don't want to get bogged down in this, but he says, this book of the law, this word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. So what am I going to be talking about? No, no, lots of times we can have a great church service on a Sunday or a Thursday and then go home and complain about, I remember the time Mark Hankins was here, the first time he was here at our, our other church. He came to visit and um, we, all of the elders went over to, I think, um, where was it, Salty? Yeah, on a Sunday afternoon. And we complained about the pollution in the harbor. We complained about the traffic on the bridge. We complained about a lot of stuff. <laughs> and that night it all came out in the service, man. <laughs> because that's, that's lots of times what we do. If we, don't, if we don't focus on what we hear from the Word of God, we'll focus on something that was bugging us earlier on or, or later in the day. But, you know, so he's going to tell Joshua, he said, this word won't depart from before your eyes. You'll keep it in the midst of your heart. It's life and healing of all your flesh. He'll say that. But he says it in a different way here. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from out of your mouth. So what am I going to be talking about? You know, if I'm going to put the word of God in, it's the word of God that ought to be coming out, right? I need to be a doer of the word, James 1.22, and not a hearer, only deceiving myself. So I need to be doing it. So he said, it won't depart from out of your mouth, but you shall meditate. What am I going to be thinking about? Meditate the word wind? How often? So what is my part in all of this? He said, if you will, he didn't, he said, if you will meditate this word day and night and observe to do it. <laughs> I like meditating and I'm not sure so, so sure sometimes I like to do it. How many of you like to do everything the Word of God tells you to do? How many of you actually do everything God tells you to do? <laughs> no, because 
The evidence will be here. You'll be prosperous and successful. (laughs) And so if you're not there yet, you got some more to do. Turn to somebody and say, you better get doing it. (laughs) He said, observe to do according to... If you'll do what's written here, listen to what he says. If you'll just do what's written here, you will make your way prosperous. He didn't say God would. He said you would make your way prosperous. And then the very first time the word success is used is right here. You you will have good success. What do I got to do, God? Meditate the word day and night. Don't talk about other stuff. Don't trash talk. Don't talk about one another. Speak blessings on everybody you run into. Choose life and not death, blessing and not cursing, and get happy. No, no, happy is the biggest thing. It is the biggest thing you can ever do is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. The world has gone crazy if you haven't noticed, but you have got eternal life sitting up on the inside of you. So anyway, Joshua, Joshua, when we went to chapter 3, we saw that Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for in the morning the Lord will do wonders among you. So God's desire right now on planet Earth, his desire, and I keep nailing to home, is Romans 8, 19, that all of creation is waiting for you to show up and to recognize that you have authority in the earth so that he can do signs and wonders and win many, many people unto the Lord. Many people unto the Lord. Through you. He chose you. Amen. That's a very weak amen. But but now let's go to Numbers chapter 13, because herein, herein lies a problem. Numbers chapter 13, we, we, we look at it and figure we got it all taken care of. Because we read the silly mistakes that they made, and we sure wouldn't do that. Numbers 13 and verse 4, he, he's going to pick 12 pastors. You've you got to understand, the congregation never saw the promised land. They, never, they, they, weren't, they didn't go there. So they were dependent on the pastors to paint the picture to tell them the truth so that they could go in and possess the land. Some of them got tied up in COVID and other things, but that's a side issue. They picked 12. And, and, then, and then he said, uh, let's, that's in verse chapter 13 and verse 4, he begins to pick the 12 leaders to get them to go in and spy out the land, trusting that they would bring back the report to encourage the troops to go in. Verse 20, it says, Now was the time of the first fruits of grapes. So they went up and searched the land. And they came to Hamath. And they ascended to the south and came to Hebron, where it tells all the people that were living there, the enemies of God. We'll just leave it at that rather than trying to pronounce all their names. And they came to the brook Eshkol and cut down from there a branch of one cluster of grapes and, and took two people to carry a cluster of grapes. They must have been as big as grapefruit. 
And the point of that was God said, I want you to take that back and show it to the people so they understand that I have a, I'm trying to get you into a land of opulence. I'm, trying to, I'm not just trying to get you into a place of barely get along or it's good enough or better. I'm trying to get you to the best place possible on this earth. Beloved, I pray above all else that you will prosper, that you'll be in health even as your soul prospers. I want to take you to a land of opulence. The earth is full of the blessing of God, and it's not finance. Finance is a very small part of it, but he said, I put this here for you. I put the man in a Garden of Eden, and then after they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, I put the Garden of Eden in their heart and put a sword in their mouth, just like the sword to keep out the enemy in the garden. The sword in your mouth will keep the enemy out of your garden. Amen? So, so, so they come back with the grapes, right? Uh, we'll pick it up, verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. Come back to the church now. And, and they, they showed the congregation the fruit of the land. So, okay, this is what it looks like. It's like you ever look at a travel brochure. I've been looking at them a lot lately. <laughs> Only because you can't go anywhere. <laughs> But you've never been there. But the, 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 the brochure, like if you look at, at, at hotels in Dominican, for example, which I, I spent an hour doing that one cold day. <laughs> I've never been there. But I've got the picture. And so if I had the opportunity, I wouldn't leave today, but if I had the top opportunity in February or March, I would be, see when I get back. <laughs> because I've got the image on the inside of me. And this is what the Word of God is supposed to do with us. It's supposed to do, it's supposed, we're supposed to have an image that, that God loves me. God is for me. Who can be against me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I'll meditate this Word day and night, I will make my way prosperous. I'll have good success. Nothing can stop me because I'm focused on what I desire. I'm not focused over here. I'm focused on the Word of God. I'm fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. Focus. ED, every day, focused on God's unlimited supply of everything that I will ever need every single day. God is for me. He doesn't hate me. He loves me. He loved me when I was a sinner enough to die for me. Come on, your Bible tells you that in Romans 5.8. He loved while you were yet a sinner. The sickest, most disgusting day you had, he loved you enough to die for you. And then Romans 5, 9 says, and now then much more being justified by his blood. Whew. Hallelujah. No, he, you know, that links, when I think about that, I think about Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, you know, cast aside every weight, the sin that so easily besets you, and, and press on. He's looking on to Jesus the author and the finisher of your faith. He started it. He'll finish it. Philippians 1, 6 says, I'm persuaded that what he started in you, he'll complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus. But the Bible says that he's the author and the finisher of your faith. But then he says this. He said, who for the joy that was set before him? You. But there's also another lesson in that. If I've got the joy set before me, I can endure he endured the cross and despised the shame because he kept his eyes on the prize. 
In, your, in this case, it was you. But what do you believe in God for? If you'll keep your eyes on the prize. No, no, what you really desire. Lots of times, you know, he said, if you delight in him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. But if it's not in your heart, don't fake it. If you don't get it in your heart, you're not going to get it. I don't care how much you, you, you make a noise. What you really desire in your heart, you can have today. Maybe your desires are wrong. Well, get them fixed. He said, he's your shepherd and you shall not want. Come on. He supplies your needs, your desires, your wants. And so don't sit here and be, and be brought down and broken and depressed and all that kind of stuff. Because the devil's going like this, and you need to say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. So, but, it, but, now, but, but let's get back to these guys coming back with the, with the report. Now, this is what they had to say that created a grasshopper complex in them. This is what you have to say that can, keeps you living in inferiority. I didn't have enough education. I didn't have enough this. I don't have enough of that. And I don't have enough. And, I, you know, and I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I'm too tall. I'm too short. There's all kinds of reasons I can't do anything. Instead of saying you were created in the image and likeness of God and he didn't make any junk. But listen to what they said. Oh, the people are strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled almost to the sky. Exaggeration, serious exaggeration going on here too. God was trying to get, God took them out of Egypt to take them into a better place. And all they wanted to do was go back where they were because it was comfortable. Because whenever God wants you to move ahead, it's going to get uncomfortable. When God wants to shake you to wake you, it's going to get uncomfortable. When he wants to move you up a level, you're going to do all kinds of bumping and, and smashing against things. That's why Paul the Apostle said it this way. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, I'm pressing on. I, I got some pressure on me, but I'm pressing on. I'm, going, I'm not going to be satisfied getting to heaven and going, golly, look at this nice place. When I could have had so much more here. Nevertheless, the people who are strong that dwell in the land are very great. And Anak is there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jezebites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, they dwell right down to the sea. But listen to this. But Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, now this is, no, but this is what faith says. Can you imagine Jesus? Uh, can you imagine Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, a leper comes to him and uh, he says, Jesus, if you, if you would, I, I, I could be clean. And, but when you read Mark's gospel, the Bible says that he came and he knelt down before Jesus. And when you read Luke's gospel, it says that he came and prostrated, prostrated himself before the Lord. So you can see the progression. He came and he got down and he, he finally faced him. And then when you read Luke's gospel, it gives you the idea that Jesus... Not only got down on his knees, but got down right face to face with that guy and touched him. He didn't have a mask on. He wasn't afraid that he was going to. Nobody had probably touched that leper, maybe another leper, for years. He didn't say to the disciples, you better stay back. Because this is highly contagious. But this is what the church has done. The church had an opportunity to stand up and big, be big and ran and hid. Hallelujah. Whether you like it or not, this is the truth. This is the truth right here. Picture, you know, we used to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? 
Or what would Jesus say? Picture what he would do and then do that. No, just do that. You see, they're getting, anyway, so. No, no, but there's preachers that said you better stay home. You still on that? Yes, I am. Caleb stilled the people and said, we're well able to overcome this. We believe Psalm 91. We believe that we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We believe that we abide under the shadow of Almighty God. We say of the Lord, Lord, you're our refuge, not some stupid mask. Lord, you're our refuge. The mask works so cool that if you wear it into a restaurant, you can sit down and take it off. And you'll be okay. Let, no, think about what's being done to you. Little kids now at school, just Joey touched me and he didn't have his mask on. Instilling fear in everybody. Caleb said, we are well able to overcome it. But the men went up with them and said, we're not able to go up against those people. They're stronger than we are. And they brought, what kind of report was it? Any unbelief report is an evil report. Again, it's Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. The gospel was preached to them as well as it was to us, but it didn't profit them because they wouldn't mix it with faith. They wouldn't believe God could take care of their problems. We were well able to overcome it. The men wouldn't. They said, no, we can't. They brought up an evil report on the land, and had, they searched out in Israel. The land we've gone up to search, it eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw were men of great stature. Everybody's better than us. Fear not, little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to bring you the kingdom. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability to believe God. Right? And there were giants, the sons of Anak there. But here's the key right here, verse 33. We were in our own sight grasshoppers. And how you see yourself is where you find yourself and God was all about changing that image with the grapes. Letting you know that he's taken into, into you a place you'd never seen anything like it before, ever. I mean, that's what the book of Deuteronomy, the second give of the law, that's what that whole book was about. I'm preparing you to take you into a land of opulence. I'm preparing to save the world through you. I'm not willing that any should perish I need, I'm, I'm preparing an army. Let's go over to chapter 14. Here's what 10 of the pastors said. Let's make a captain and return. Let, let's go back to the way the world does things. Let's follow the world now. Let's obey the world instead of the word now. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Zephaniah, they were there and they, they searched out the land as well. Well, they rent their clothes and they spoke unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which you pass through to search it, it's an exceeding good land. Now, this is, this is the faith preacher talking right here. He's not giving them facts in evidence. They're telling them what they saw from their spirit man. We're well able. It says, it's an exceeding good land. And if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land, give it to us. It's a land that flows with prosperity. 
all our needs are met, all of our desires are fulfilled. We've got more than enough to abound to every good work. Verse 9, only don't rebel against the Lord. Why? Neither fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Bread for us. God speaks in verse 11 and says, The Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will they err? Why, why won't they believe me for all the signs which I've shown among them? Over to verse uh, 20, he says, I pardon according to your word, but as truly as I live, but as truly as I live, this, this, promise, this promise was for them. And now this promise is for you. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Verse 24, my servant Caleb, because he has another spirit in him and has followed me fully, he will bring into the land to possess it. And then how about, how about this next, how about, let's look a little further here. Now they wanted to go back, to, you know, they said, would to God, they said, would to God that we had died here in this wilderness. Look at verse, you, you don't think your words are powerful? Look at verse 28. This is God talking. Say unto them, as truly as I live, says the Lord, as, as you have spoken in my ear, so it shall be done unto you. That's a powerful truth. You want to die in the wilderness? Okay, die. But it's not my will. How do I know? Because he's not willing that any should perish. And I read in my Bible in 1 John 4 and 8 and verse 15, God is love. And so Whatever he does is love. Whatever happens to me that I do. He said, I choose this day, Deuteronomy 30, 19. I choose this day. He said, I'm giving you the choice this day. Life and blessing, death and cursing. Choose life that you and your seed may live. How do I choose life? I choose to speak the word of God and not call things the way I see them, but call them the way that I want them to be. Right? Now let's go to Romans chapter, chapter 10. Sure is quiet in this Presbyterian church tonight, baby. It's you're always going to get a challenge to change. You know, it's like he said in Matthew 4:13: change your attitude, change your actions, for an invasion from the spirit realm is imminent. Change the way you think. How do I change the way I think? I'm not conformed to this world, but transformed by renewing my mind by the word of God that I can prove the good, the acceptable, perfect will of God for my life. I realized when I started reading my Bible, I don't think right. You know, you need to know your thinking's messed up. If it argues with the Word of God, your thinking is messed up. When you agree totally with the Word of God and begin to act on it, you're getting it. No, no, when your actions line up with your belief system, you're winning, right? Romans chapter 10. The whole world out there is messed up, but it's not their fault. Come on, the church got lazy. Somewhere along the line, the church got comfortable. And, you know, people are going to hell all around us, but we're, we've got our system set up, and, we, you know, as long as we're comfortable. I mean, moving into this building proved to us that he's not interested in our comfort. He's not. Romans 10 and verse 6, 
says, but the faith, but the righteousness. How about verse five? For Moses described the righteousness, which is of the law, that a man that does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness, which is by faith, speaks. Righteous, righteousness by faith speaks on this wise. Who shall, who shall go into heaven and bring Christ down? Don't need to do that. Who shall descend and bring him back from the dead? Don't need to do that. What, what's the key then? But the word of God is where? I want God to do something in my life. What am I going to do? The word of God is nigh me, even in my mouth. The word of faith that we preach. I need to make sure that I get it in my mouth, that I need to get it in my heart and realize that I'm the one that he gave the authority to. And that if I want change, I need to talk change. I can't talk trash. He said that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you shall, and believe in your heart. Let me read another translation of that. I think it's so cool what we have today. I was saying to Nancy when I used to study, I remember teaching eschatology in some of the other classes that we taught. And um, I'd have books, concordances, and all these kind of things all around me, digging. And now, and now I don't need to do that. But, I, but you know what? I miss that because it was precious to me when I would find those truths. Now I can just ask Suri, you know. Well, you, how many translations have you got on your phone? And I'd have to have them all laid open and check out them all out. Now you can, you know, lie them alongside of one another on your phone, right? Do not say in your heart, pick it up, verse 6, do not say in your heart who will go to heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Who will go to the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, this message is near you, put in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. And then one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For as the scripture says, everyone who believes on him shall not be put to what? Look, everyone sh shall not be put to what? Put to shame, I, this translation says. Since there's no di dis distinction between the Jew or the Greek, because the same Lord is richly blesses all the, the same Lord richly blesses all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Then it says in verse 14, well, verse 13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not saying magic words at the front of a church. I've seen lots of people do that under duress. Just say the words, just say the words. No, if it doesn't come from your heart, nothing changes. When it comes from the heart, People begin to seek the Lord. But then it says here, um, verse 14, How then shall they call on him that they have not believed in? And how shall they believe without hearing about him? This is the world out there right today. We're wondering why they're all acting so goofy. They haven't even heard about the Lord. How they can believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? Turn to somebody and say, you need a preacher. Don't try to live without one. And how can they preach unless they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news. But they obeyed not the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message, and so on. Verse 17, it says, for faith comes by hearing. Faith comes from what is heard, and heard comes from the message about the Lord. So faith comes by hearing and not by, how about this? Faith comes by hearing and not by having heard. 
And so you've got all of these guys that missed the promised land and died in the wilderness because the pastors didn't tell them the truth. They were dependent on their leadership to tell them the truth. And the leadership, instead of instilling faith in them, filled them with fear. Totally filled them with fear. And the, the Bible says that their hearts didn't melt, that they fainted on the inside when they heard the negative words that the preachers were preaching. Instead of, hey, this is our finest hour. Like Winston Churchill, this is our finest. This is, but this is, this is the church's, the church is coming into its finest days. I mean, you look at what's going on in the United States now, they're not even sure who the, who the president is at the moment and, and all of that. And, uh, but, you know, I really believe that the church, it's waking up the church. If the church would wake up, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in right now. If the church had been awake, we wouldn't have the abortion laws we have right now. If, we, if the church would wake up and, and become militant, and I'm not talking, I'm not, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. I'm not talking about going out and picking a fight in the street. I'm talking about whenever you get near any ethnic groups fighting with one another, come and bring peace to it. Begin to pray. Begin to pray more than you ever prayed before and believe God and realize that if you don't pray, nothing changes. If Jesus had to pray in, in Luke chapter 3 to get the heaven opened up so he could get water baptized, I, I mean, and who is, who's the commander-in-chief of the church? So if, it, if he had to pray, guess what? Pray with authority, the authority that God gave you. Luke 10, 19, you'll tread upon the serpent and the scorpion and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You will tread upon the serpent and the scorpion. He's not talking about walking through the desert. He's talking about demon entities that you have authority over. And he said, if you'll just begin to walk, you'll begin to walk, your faith walk, you'll tread upon those things and over all the power of it, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. If you're being hurt by this because you haven't been walking on it. You need to walk that. We need to walk this out. We need to recognize who we are in Christ. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm done. What's that? Would you like to share? We're family. Ah, good. Yeah, keep them under your feet. Romans 16, 22, the God of peace will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. He said he would bruise Satan under your feet. You know, you need to get some wiggle room. Come on. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says that angels were sent to minister unto the ears of salvation. So on Satan's best day, he was sent to be a minister unto you. That was his assignment. And now he's going to lord it over you? I don't think so. I mean, 1 John 3 and verse 8, the Bible says, for the, this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. So I realize now that the devil's not my problem unless I keep giving him my authority. Because all authority of Matthew 28 came back to me. So now, now I can do what he told Adam to do. You know, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and take dominion, take authority over the situation. Romans 5.17, receive the gift of grace or, or receive God's grace and the gift of righteousness and you'll reign in life. If you're not reigning in life, then it's your fault. 
Maybe just the preacher never told you. The preacher's telling you tonight, you can reign over your circumstances. You're not under, I'm okay under the circumstances. Get out from under them. Ephesians 2, 6 says you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Just take your seat. Amen. Praise God. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.